0: To that Bears game last week? Yeah, hello game, hello game. Snap
1: is back to Hoyer. Throwing open. Howard breaks a tackle, 15 10.
2: end zone, touchdown. Touchdown, Bears. Don't, don't, stop. don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. A team that is known as Star Bears. Play fake. side sidestepped to the pocket, avoiding pressure. Now winds
1: up throwing deep down the right side. Going for Jeffrey. He makes the catch inside the 10 yard line. Down near the five. Throw it up and get it. Jeffrey did. Jeffrey outleaps him 49 yards. Like
2: like
1: Bears Hour Live with Lauren Cox and the draft doc Philitotion.
2: Whitney as always are the super fans. I'm smarter than the average bear. <laughs>
3: Hello and welcome to Bears Hour Live. This is Lauren Cox along with Phil Atosian coming to you after the Bears' late fourth quarter loss to the Detroit Lions. They were right in it down to the final seconds of the game. Matt Barkley had the offense driving downfield, and then Ted Larson gets the holding penalty. I think Bobby Massey had the other one. Backs him up beyond midfield, and they get third and 20 and fourth and 11. Fall short story of the Bears' season. Once again, you know, so many things to like about this game, so many things that really keep you frustrated I think penalties has to be the number one thing there I mentioned the holding penalties and there was a bad one on Tracy Porter in the first half and there were a couple of times when the Bears were looking like they were going to be getting into the end zone a couple penalties in the red zone and they're taking field goals instead and ultimately you, you lose by three so that's sort of the story of the game right here for the Chicago Bears I mean a lot of things to be encouraged about with the way that some of these young players played I mean we talk about Matt Barkley and Jordan Howard every week but there's some other guys that we'll get into in a little bit but Phil who are you impressed by the most in this game and who are you disappointed by the most in this game? I'm impressed most with Matt Barkley. I think
1: we said it last week. This was what, this was going to be the litmus test. Me and Jose Coto on the preview show, the Daily Dose preview show at bearsbarroom.com talked about this uh quite honestly, being a test for Matt Barkley. And if he was real, he goes into the Detroit Lion Dome there and literally is doing what he did against the Titans in a critical situation. You know, prior to that, LeBlanc makes a great play pick, DeMontre Hurst, tip, drill, pick. The Bears were playing to win the game. That's what you want to see. Credit to the head coach, but really for me, I wanted to see how Matt Barkley would respond. And I feel as though the NFL gets a black eye. We talked about Larry Triplett. I talked about it very vehemently about how he has a tendency to cause games to flip. And really, Lauren, the hold on Bobby Massey was horrific. It was completely... Asinine to call that on a three-step drop. There's no hold there. That could be called on every play. That's looking to change the outcome of a football game. And I'm sorry. That's not crying over spilt milk. That's me being real. I called Hicks throwing the guy, the Lions guys face mask upwards and then taking that nice run by Washington of the Lions, a crappy bull crap call. I just call it how I see it. The Bears got shafted on that final drive, and really ultimately it takes away from Matt Barkley and what he was doing to go down there, either win the game or easily tie the football game, Lauren, and then to have Daniel Braverman come in there on the very next play when you got pushed back 10 yards. Now you're in trouble. The whole feeling is there, and they make... A dime ball to Braverman over the middle, diving, jumping in the air, catch to get another first down. And then another late flag is thrown at the feet. This time it's on Larson, which was questionable again. Now you're back again. And this guy battles back. This guy being Matt Barkley gets you in a position to get another first down. And then your boy, El Jefe's boy. Andrew Danahy's boy, Nate Just, all these guys on Twitter excusing a job that you are getting paid, not thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Guess what? 85 grand this weekend, this man made in that game. 85 grand. And he drops a critical football again, Lauren. Again, this guy continues to drop. If the scoreboard isn't lit up by others, Josh Bellamy is guaranteed of one or two things. One, he's going to embarrass you. The other, he's going to make a critical drop. And for me, that's on coaching and personnel decisions by the head coach, allowing this to continue to happen. I'm not making this up, Lauren. I'm quoting John Fox if I had 20 Josh Bellamy's then I'd be in a great shape. Well, clearly John Fox is selling some snake oil to the fans because Bellamy single-handedly cost this team two victories, or we'll say today, a could-have-been tie. If anything, that play (laughs) gets you a first down, and then Connor Barf could possibly come on and tie the game. But the way the feeling and vibe was going, and, and it seems like Matt Barkley, Lauren, just has...
3: A great knack at the two-minute drill and with pressure on. Yeah, I mean, it was really impressive by Barkley once again. I mean, I, th- I think it comes back to like what we talked about after his first start, where they said, you know, the two-minute drill, you know, defenses don't aren't able to disguise as much. You know, pass rushers start to get more tired. You know, there's not really, uh, it's not the same as a, an every-down and distance type defense. So I, I can understand why that might be easier for a guy like Barkley. But even. Throughout the game, he delivered a number of impressive throws. I mean, that's exactly what you want to see from a quarterback fighting for his future, fighting for a job. And, and it was really impressive to see, you know, in spite of drops from Josh Bellamy and, and in spite of really some some questionable penalties like you had talked about. I mean, this guy had this team in position to win. And really, it was in spite of Jordan Howard only getting 13 carries in this game. I mean, I thought we were past that problem long ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? 13 it's carries.
1: It's unbelievable. I, I, just,
3: long. I mean... At what point does do somebody in the locker room step up and say, "Hey, what are we doing here?" You know, maybe it's not Jordan Howard himself, but maybe it's Ted Larson, who clearly isn't afraid to stand up and speak his mind about something. Just step up and say, "Hey, what? Why aren't we giving it to this running back that's averaging six yards a carry?" You know, he, he's plowing through the Lions' linebackers, but instead we're throwing it 32 times with Matt Barkley. Which, you know, Barkley—not a knock on Barkley whatsoever—but when you're throwing it to Josh Bellamy and Cameron Meredith and Deontay Thompson. I mean, you only had four healthy receivers in this game, and you only played Daniel Behrman 10 snaps, so you're pretty much going with your three crappy receivers for the entire game, and you're only running it 13 times with your top rookie running back? I mean, come on. I, what, are you, what are you supposed to do? How much more could you do if you're Matt Barkley, you know? And I don't know
1: what else you could do. I mean, we talked about the rules to being victorious for the Chicago Bears, backed up by the evidence of statistics. Uh, Adam Ho's tweet last week that I retweeted. And the guy gets over 18 carries from the backfield. You're 3-0. and Your three victories come by ways of consistently trying to get this guy the football. And don't give me this crap that this isn't coaching. You know, you're putting this in a position to be you know the wrong personnel you know if i see Jeremy Langford out there again i mean i think it's very clear the kid is either broken mentally and needs to regroup and get himself an off season direction or you know you're putting him in a situation where fans are just completely going to crucify the guy because You're taking out a hot back and putting in a guy that's really not able to continue the baton. And it's clear that Kadeem Carey is the better option when you're giving Jordan Howard a rest. But the rest comes at questionable times. The kid bursts on for a 19-yard gain. You got another late hold, which was another terrible call on Josh Sitton. You know, next play, he's out of the game. It's, you're in that final drive to try to take the, the lead. It stalls again. You got Jeremy Langford in the game and, you know, luckily he gets a first down on a third and two, but wouldn't you want your workhorse back in there? It's not like you're asking these two to receive and make some plays. Jordan Howard has been great throughout the last five weeks and picking up blitz and, and, to have him not in the game, to me, that's coaching. That's knowing your personnel. It's the same thing with Daniel Braverman. You know, fans are gonna react. Well, you don't think this coaching staff doesn't know about Daniel Braverman and what he's able? To... No, I don't. You, I could give you key showcases of how we can't believe in personnel uh, evaluation by the coaching staff. Not by the GM. That's Jordan Howard. Look at this kid, Daniel Brown. He's moving the chains, and he's not in the game, not in the game plan, not in the process for over a month after he was signed. And you keep trotting out Logan Paulson. You know, starting Cush over. I mean, uh, Ted Larson over Cush. It's over and over and over again with this coaching staff in the personnel decision making and it's like Sandy Tom said selective accountability is a showcase of uh, of a coach that's senile in my opinion when a coach feels it you know who's going to help you get to the promised land and help you win when you say you want 20 Josh Bellamy's Lauren I think you're completely missing the reality you want 20 Josh Bellamy's number one You can't even play 20 guys on the field at the same time, okay? (laughs) But the reality is you want 20 guys on special teams running down to cover kicks because Josh Bellamy has had so many opportunities. This is an eight-year guy. And don't give me, well, he's the fifth receiver. Well, the goal is the season's over is to get younger and evaluate talent when you already – saw what happened in the Titans game, comes back against the San Francisco 49ers game, does the same crap. You know, Jordan Howard gets you that win, not Josh Bellamy. Then you come out here against Detroit again, and and Lauren gave you the stats, and your, your showcase focal point receiver is Josh Bellamy? I feel bad for Matt Barkley. I'm sorry that cost them a first down, an opportunity to to be in field goal range, and ultimately a chance to be the spoiler. And I just think that right there, if that can't tell you the measure of a coach, I don't know what to tell you. I really don't.
3: Yeah, I mean, like you look at all of the – I mean, relatively speaking, all of the talent on this team, the way that players are stepping up and playing – above their means I mean Matt Barkley obviously is the 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 key one there that you know no one expected a performance this great from him but even like I thought Charles Leno played a pretty good game Bobby Massey played a pretty good game defensively a guy like Cravan LeBlanc steps up and has a big performance Nick Kwiatkowski playing really well on the inside but yet still coaching decisions keep this team from being put over the top I mean that's how it is coaching decisions and and coaching discipline as far as the 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 penalties go but at the end of the day the reason why this team lost is all things that just point back to the coaching staff not doing a good job. It's not about the talent on the team. You've seen these players step up and prove that they have more talent than they look like they do on paper. I mean, Demantra Hurst coming in, stepping and making big plays, Cravon LeBlanc, obviously Akeem Hicks, Nick Kwiatkowski, Pranel McPhee, Leonard Floyd getting in there too. I mean, they're, even these backups, this this no depth that the Bears supposedly had, they're stepping up and they're playing really, really well. But, they, they get held back by the rest of the team, and they get held back by decisions made by the coaching staff and, and discipline not instilled by them. And that's that's the story of your season. I mean, that's why there's no. You can't just say injuries are the excuse, and that's why John Fox should be able to keep his job because there's just no. There's nothing that he has done that you can say. Okay, that's why we should keep this guy. I mean, whether it be clock management or, you know, at, at least okay. The one thing is that players are still playing well, hard. You know, they haven't given up. But at the same time, how much of that is them playing for John Fox and how much of that is them playing for each other? I think that's,
1: you know, I'm not going to take away from
3: the motivation of
1: a professional athlete. You know, it is their job to go out there and play the game of football. Um, I think Dan Pompey talked about that this week and numerous reporters throughout that have, played in the NFL that were on all week on ESPN radio talking about how it's fun for fans to talk about tanking, but there's a lot of pride in yourself and in the coaches that you have positionally to do your best. You know, the GM is watching. So if there's an ultimate climate change coming to Chicago when it comes to the coaching staff, your effort and energy is going to be placed on tape. And I think how you play when you're given an opportunity to play a game that you love should define who you are always. And I think the Chicago bears are sitting there with a group of young players playing hard. And I think that has to go to the Testament of them and the coaches. I I don't want to take away from John Fox. I think the guys are playing hard. I don't know if they're playing hard for him, Vic Fangio, which we talked about at length. But the reality is the guys, there's unquestioned uh, effort being placed out there. And ultimately it comes down to personnel decisions and correctly putting players in the appropriate place. It's inexcusable how many carries Jordan Howard was, awarded in this game. That was close, Lauren. I made a point to tweet and tag you in it. It's down by three. They're still in the third quarter. And Jordan Howard has 11 carries at that point. And I think you, as well as others recognize, well, what kind of plan is that? And, and how does that go and bode well for your offense that wasn't helping the defense for a time period there. And then ultimately they came back and we're moving the football down the field to win the game possibly. And it gets taken away. So the personnel decisions to me are the ones that are screwing over this football team. And that's on John Fox and Dow Loggins, whoever's deciding this is the right grouping. Uh, John, Coach Johnson If there's a bias that this there, I don't know, but I know what I've been told by players on the defensive side of the football going up against these receivers in Chicago. And they speak very highly of Cameron Meredith and Daniel Braverman. So take that in your pipe and smoke it for now, because obviously no one's in there watching practice. I could just go on someone's word and, Braverman getting in an opportunity, he makes a play that ultimately would have helped you win the game where now we're excusing the Bellamy drops because Daniel Braverman has, I mean, that kind of stuff on Twitter is just sad to me because ultimately you're defeating the point of the game of football and that's catching the ball. That's your job. Like I said, Lauren, this has happened three weeks in a row now. I mean, what does it take to
3: really, Put it into perspective. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at especially the way that Jordan Howard was used. I mean, you mentioned the, we, well, we talked before about the 13 carries. Nine of those were in the first half, so that left four carries in the in the second half, which is unacceptable as it is. But even you, you look at that even closer, and like in the fourth quarter, there when the Bears are down, I think it was they were down 10 just after the the Matthew Stafford uh, just after the DeMontre Hurst interception in the end zone. They come out and, you know, they give it to Howard a couple times, and then they pass five plays in a row with Matt Barkley, starting with about ten and a half in the fourth quarter down to about eight minutes in the fourth quarter. I mean, and same thing next drive. They come out, you know, with 317, down, down three, okay, and they start out the drive with six straight, seven straight passes, excuse me, and then with a minute left, they hand it to Jeremy Langford up the middle. I mean, where, where is your star rookie running back, and where is our first caller calling from? What's your name? Where are you calling from? Um, this is Nick from Iowa. Uh, Nick Fish getting on the show. Nick from the Hawkeye State.
1: What's up, Nick? How you doing? I'm
0: um, just a little bit disappointed after the Bears' recent loss. You know, it's, as much as I want to embrace the lose today, win tomorrow, Montre, you know, it's, it's always nice to get a division win. And just to see the Bears just throw another game away, be it with Howard only getting 13 carries and just, You know, poor execution at all levels from special teams to offense to the penalties at the end of the game to Josh Bellamy still getting meaningful snaps. It's just really frustrating and bothersome.
1: Oh, it's definitely frustrating because, I mean, the definition of insanity by Albert Einstein slash Lauren Cox is doing the same thing over and over and asking for it to change it's not going to change don't know how the twitter sphere can't see that and i've had it up to here with the twitter world of gms i mean i'm not trying to be anything other than someone who's going to tell you the truth and stand by that i mean your job in the nfl is to catch the football and move the change not catch it sometimes and pray that it's going to happen but given an opportunity (laughs) make the play do service to a guy that's kind of and and that guy is matt barkley who's kind of like an afterthought to a draft pick when ultimately these are actual nfl games and assessment of talent that you could possibly have something special here something that we saw kind of a sparkle with connor shaw in the preseason and that like, sparked up people, and then ultimately it was diminished. Now here's a guy that's actually doing live bullets against the division leader in their house, going down to win the football game, and again, it's another critical drop, who, by the way, had a critical drop against the Titans that cost you a football game, the Titans who beat the Denver Broncos today and are, are going on to, to lead their division. Do you see where I'm going with this? Like, the assessment of talent is hindered by the process of personnel decisions by a head coach who clearly is, I believe, is out of Chicago at the end of the season. So it's disappointing on that level that you're not getting the Daniel Braverman or a kid from another practice squad that you really liked in the draft and you bring them in to help you move the football. If you really want to keep Bellamy on special teams, then freaking cut uh, or put Kyle Fuller on injured reserve and keep Bellamy on special teams, but to put him out there and make him the focal point of your offense all day and skip over Jordan Howard and other players is asinine insanity.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say that's exactly right. It's just, it's just like last week with Cutler being active while being effectively done for the season. I mean, if that's a window inside Halleck Hall to how the Bears analyze and make decisions, you know, I guess we really can't be too surprised about what else they decide to do. And it's the thing I go back and forth with, with keeping Fox or letting them go or whatever, you know, as much as I'd like to not fire a guy after two years, I think, I think I'm coming around to the idea that you can't keep going in the same direction. If you think it's a screwed up direction. So, and plus now with this latest loss, his two years will be worse than Mark Tressman's two years. So.
1: Yeah, it's, it's pretty ugly when you look at the win loss
3: total, yeah, you know it's it's funny with with Fox, you know it's not like as Bears fans, we needed him to go eleven and five and win the division and establish himself as the best team in the n f c north this year you know it's not like you know off off of last season, I think Bears fans would be content even with given given the injuries if the Bears go eight and eight or nine and seven, maybe finish. You know, just outside the playoffs, but at least, you know, you're showing a team that's fighting hard and beating some bad teams on the stretch, even with injured players. But it's just the fact that they have taken such a step back. You know, it wasn't like he had to go from year one, six and ten to year two Super Bowl, but just a step forward was pretty much all Bears fans could ask for. And, and I don't think injuries can be enough of an excuse to define why you didn't step forward. I think that's laziness. I think that's, you know, because every team deals with injuries and every team, you know, the teams that deal with injuries well are still successful and the teams that don't obviously are not successful. And I think you're seeing that clear difference with John Fox this year is that, you know, there were plenty of injuries last year too, maybe not as devastating to the quarterback position and some other key positions, but still, I mean, you're looking at a very similar wide receiver core right now minus Daniel Braverman that you saw last year at the end of the year when Alshon Jeffrey was hurt, Kevin White obviously was hurt too, and you you had a lot of games of Cam Meredith, Deontay Thompson, and Josh Bellamy. But you're not seeing that growth and you're not seeing the encouraging things that we started to see last year come back up this year. And that, to me, is the ultimate sign of a a coach that's taken a step back and is taking this team backwards. And like you said, Nick, there's no point in sticking with a guy taking you in the wrong direction just, just because you don't want to get rid of him, just because he's going the wrong direction. Just because it is a direction doesn't mean you want to keep going in that direction.
0: Well, I'll hang up and let you guys keep talking, but I really enjoyed the show. This is honestly my first time listening, so I guess I guess I just really got fired up and really thought they might actually pull one from the, what, snatch victory from the jaws of defeat today, but sure enough, defeat won out again, so there's always next week. Hopefully they can beat Green Bay and not tie in the all-time series with them next week, so...
3: Yeah, th- well, thanks a ton for calling in, Nick. And uh, hopefully, we watch the Packers get absolutely decimated by the Seattle Seahawks here in the next uh, hour and a half on on TV. But uh, they they should be pretty demoralized when they play the Bears next week. <laughs> thanks for thanks for Bye. calling in, Nick. I appreciate you calling in. He makes
1: the the move in his feelings that you know, Bear fans. Our fanatics, and and they travel well. They love the football team. And if you could sit there and cheer for a Bears loss, I really, I want to meet that person because I just, it's just not in my blood. So I kind of would, would honestly love to have someone call up that really thinks tanking is important. You know, here's a competitive sport played by some of the greatest athletes in the world. And I think that's the most disappointing thing, Lauren, is that, you know, opportunity equals success when you're given opportunity and you're putting faith in other men to do what is right and appropriate. I can go uh, step for step on undrafted free agents that have gone on not only to play in the NFL, but have gone on to be hall of famers in the NFL Uh, The NFL personnel department and people tend to have bias towards certain players and certain types. And if only given the opportunity to play, then you can understand that person's success and only then. And, And it's why teams like new England are successful because it doesn't matter where you're drafted or where you come from or your color of skin Anything of or how tall you are, it just matters if you catch the football and move the change, and move the chains. In Chicago, it seems to be some sort of litmus test of macho machoism that, that we're going to get this special teams player who runs really well, gets open, but dro- continues to drop the football. An opportunity, I, I just you know, that story Lock and Fora reported before this the uh, the Bears game this morning about Bill Polian coming into Chicago has interest and in taking over as the president and really be the top of the iceberg, so to speak, of the Bears, that to me would be a good thing because I don't think you'd see players on the roster that aren't chain movers because in a pass-happy league with a dominant running back and a, and a pretty good building block of a defense right now, Lauren, guys that drop the football should not even be on the roster. I, I know you, you have affinity with some players and they do certain things, but that's on John Fox and Dow Loggins to not only make it a, a point that the kids on the roster but you made a, him a heavy dose of the game plan and I just think that it's a testament to where you're going as a franchise that it's almost funny in the fact that it's so hurtful you know cuz you had an opportunity to win a football game and yet again an easy catch mind you the kids jumping in the air again becomes the drop, and, and, and that's the story of this football season and this coaching staff. They continue to drop the ball when it comes to the right decisions, whether it be Jay Cutler selling Brian Hoyer, Jordan Howard not starting out the gate, Cameron Meredith not being more involved, and moving Meredith inside, having him play slot. When you clearly could see the kid's best position is outside, Lauren, to put faith and trust in this staff, with a young quarterback drafted and to put players in the right place to succeed, that ain't happening here with this staff. I'm sorry. It's not negative. It's just truth.
3: Well, and, you know, the the Josh Bellamy thing, it, it, it sounds to me like the same excuse that John Fox gets. It's like, well, the Bears are so injured, they have to play, they have to play Josh Bellamy and, but but like like you said, I mean, there's not another wide receiver on someone else's practice squad. I mean, you have two wide receivers on your own practice squad. I look at I look at the Detroit Lions practice squad. They have Kyle Fuller's brother Corey just sitting there. I mean, not that he is not, not that you're gonna be able to find a, a starting lockdown NFL wide receiver, but you can find guys that can run routes and catch the ball. I mean, you have not only do you have one on your roster that you're only giving ten snaps in this game and Daniel Braverman, but man, it's not like, oh well, They're just stuck with Bellamy because he's all they got, and apparently there's no other way to acquire other NFL wide receivers that can just catch the ball and run routes. I mean, you're not asking this guy to get 150 yards a game. You're just asking him to hold on to it when Matt Barkley delivers a beautiful ball to the sideline. Yeah, I mean, Lauren, as a quick
1: study, I mean, you can go on practice squads right now and, and look on their practice squad, on our lads, and list off names and i could tell you right whether or not that kid can run a, an arrow route and get open and catch the football i mean you look at this kid daniel brown for example the tight end for the chicago bears picked up from the ravens practice squad kids running out route, running arrow routes running into traffic catching the football with his hands keeping possession of it that's all the expectation is now he's a bigger guy showing athleticism to move the chains. That's it. To look at these game plans and have people think that it's rocket science. There is bias when it comes to, I like this guy, and I, I'm i sure he's going to do it this week. It, it happens. But when it continues to happen and costs important plays and production for your quarterback, I mean, What more could Matt Barkley do than what he did down that stretch with the refs and Josh Bellamy? I mean, I really was impressed with that football player, and I don't want that to be skipped over of this game. But honestly, a GM could try out guys during the week and find a better wide receiver, like I said, than Josh Bellamy. (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's really it's really not rocket science, guys. It really isn't. I, I I believe that in my heart and I believe that we've seen it time and time again happen throughout this league that players have been picked up where somebody else's trash, they come here and they actually do what they're supposed to do and that's catch a wide open pass and move the chains. Meanwhile, you're playing uh jenga with thompson and bellamy out there seeing if it's going to balance or or keep they're going to keep possession and not mess up is that how you want to assess matt barkley or are you going to put him in the absolute most atrocious display of talent surrounding him and then assess him appropriately because if that's what you're doing then matt barkley's your starting quarterback going into 2017
3: Well, I mean, that's sort of the way they were forcing you to evaluate Jay Cutler. I mean, you you know what I mean? Like, do you trust John Fox and company to put Matt Barkley in the best position to be successful? I mean, if this is going to, if you're Ryan Pace and you've already decided for some godforsaken reason that you're going to keep this coaching staff around for next year, then this is the the way to evaluate Matt Barkley because this is how it's going to be. I mean, there's clearly no growth and and no desire to self-scout and to figure out your own team's problems to solve them rather than... Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. I mean, this is this is John Fox football right now for for the Chicago Bears. Whoever is going to be at quarterback, this is sort of the the means to evaluate them. But I totally agree that assuming you can get a real coach in here who can put together a real roster and and you know hold the correct players accountable and. Do the things that are most necessary for the team to be successful, which clearly John Fox has not been able to do, then yeah, it, it does make it difficult to to evaluate Matt Barkley in those situations. But at the same time, I mean, it just makes it more impressive what he's been able to do now this far. I mean, he's, he's throwing some really beautiful balls downfield. The one thing that I think still worries me about him, and I, I'm hoping this can spark a little bit of a, a bigger debate about Barkley, is that he's not a guy that I'm seeing react well under pressure. It's not that he's terrible by any means. I mean we've seen worse for sure. But I mean he's not when he gets moved off of his spot, that accuracy drops quite a bit. We saw a couple balls go in the dirt, a couple go too high. And and that's what concerns me for the future, especially on a team that doesn't seem to be willing to invest properly in the NFL unless a Pro Bowl player drops into their lap in September.
1: Well you gotta be a little tap in the brakes there. This is his first opportunity to start games in, you know, difficult conditions last week. Then again, this week, you're in, you're away. You're having to go no count, no huddle. The rotation of the offensive line with Kush now sitting, you know, the, the play that he, you know, he's making out there. He's delivering the football. I mean, the ball he throws for a touchdown, they can't merit it. I mean, <laughs> beat him at the line of scrimmage, just drops it right in the bucket. That's what you want to see from a quarterback. So I think you only learn from this if you're Matt Barkley. And I think it's great that you're seeing it out there. But I also think, you know, two things. The football team is playing hard. And the offense was rallying around Matt Barkley. I think the coach's game plan, once again, We talked about it ad nauseum about getting Jordan Howard involved. They failed to do that. And then again, it comes down to Matt Barkley, and he's doing what he's supposed to do. And I'm not crying over spilled milk. I call it how I see it. Those two holding penalties, I mean, those are crushing calls by the officials on a team that really, when you look at the tape, if that's holding, they could call that on every down. It was just terrible calls. I'm sorry. I feel bad for those guys that are playing in there. You want to call one of them? Okay. We could talk and argue about it. To have two you're backing them up 20 yards in back-to-back holding penalties. You don't think there's anything that smells fishy there, Lauren? I mean, come on. And you watch the tape. Those were... They weren't even good calls. They weren't blatant holds on the play. If anything, it's just a part of the game, and it was just... I think even Lions fans will say, thank God we got away with a couple ones there, you know, jab their buddy in the freaking rib cage because that is disappointing. And I'm sure those Bears players are fired up about it and they should be because ultimately it backs you up, costs you a game. But I, I think the big point in this whole process of watching Matt Barkley, he battled back, stayed in there, delivered balls and got you back to get into scoring position
3: and the Bellamy drop it
1: can't be overlooked just can't
3: yeah i'm not trying to say he played bad by any means but i i just feel like you know the the first couple games were sort of the the honeymoon with Barkley and, and this one as the first litmus test is kind of the okay let's start to let's start to nitpick a little bit because we want to know just how good can this guy be and i think what he showed is that he is A a low-end, at this point, a low-end starting quality quarterback with with a lot of potential beyond that. But I think right now he's better than Brian Hoyer. I mean, he's one of, I think there are about 25 guys in this league that if you give them a clean pocket and a strong running game and a decent defense, they can deliver some impressive throws downfield. I think he's right in that category. But I think what he needs to do to to step up to, okay, let's talk about this guy being the Bears quarterback of the future and and being something that could maybe affect their offseason plans that's where he needs to show that he can do more under pressure, can improvise a little bit more. And certainly there are things holding him back from doing that, but in order for him to step up to the next level that I think he could be, he has the potential for, that's what we need to start seeing. And maybe it's, maybe it's too early to expect that from him now, but I'm saying from here and into the future, now against these playoff teams, this is where he can show what, just how good he can be. Because I think right now he's setting that base level pretty high, but I think we want to know just how high that ceiling could go. Oh, absolutely. You want to, I mean, there's no better way than live bullets
1: and game action to get an assessment of it and compare it to what it is that's coming out in the NFL draft. Uh, There hasn't been declarations by some of these quarterbacks that people are talking about, including me and you, Lawrence. So you're trying to look at the future. We don't even know if Jay Cutler's a part of that future. It's just been stated by some that he's not. We still don't know that yet with the news of Bill Polian, I know Bill Polian has spoken very highly of Jay Cutler and so has Ryan Pace. So to completely say that that part of the game is over with, it, it would be unfair right now with three more games to go next week you're playing your longest heated rivalry at home. I just think you got to tap the brakes. Well, I'm seeing from Matt Barkley, I felt like we needed to see what he brought to the table on the road against a, an opponent that was leading the division and how he responded. I thought he responded as a quality NFL starter. To say otherwise, I think people are, are lying or just being biased towards the kid because I really ultimately assessed him harsh and harshly and I felt like he delivered, and when the chips were down, he was putting you in a position to win, and that's all you can ask of your football player. And I thought he played better than Matt Stafford in this game, and, and I'm not being biased there. The numbers say it, but the tape to me says it as well, Lauren, that this kid behind a, a team that decided they were going to throw Jordan Howard out the gate again, which they've done a lot, And we're just going to rely on him throwing the football. I thought the young man played better than Stafford. And he was going to put you in a position to win the football game. The Zebras, the holding penalties. How about the uncalled pass interference on Deontay Thompson, Lauren, on that last play, on that last drive? I mean, that right there is a travesty in and above itself, too. I mean... The holding penalties, the pass interference would have been a makeup call, and it should have been called. I mean, it's horrible. I'll put these up this week on Twitter because I'm not making this stuff up. It speaks for itself. The kid is something special so far, and there's three more to go, and you have three more opportunities. But I liked what I saw today a lot against Detroit.
3: And, and we've got our next caller on the line. Caller, uh, what's your name, where you're calling from, and, and what do you think about what you've seen from Matt Barkley so far?
2: Um, um, I guess I'm wondering about Matt Barkley. How would you um, evaluate his performance based on you know, the team around him? that's not very strong. How do you evaluate objectively, well, how good is this guy going to be with the better team around him next year, presumably through the draft?
1: Well, that's what we were kind of saying. We didn't get your name, caller, before I answer. What's your name and where are you calling from?
2: Uh, My name's Aaron. I'm from uh, California, but I saw the game on the NFL website. Nope.
1: Well, thanks for calling in, Aaron. I think the assessment of Matt Barkley and me and Lauren were kind of joking, but the talent surrounding him in the play and the game plan itself was putting essentially the whole game on Matt Barkley to win and be victorious. And I feel as though surrounded by a lot I mean, and Alshon Jeffrey out there, does that not help a Matt Barkley out in this game? I think fans and people alike get ready for Madden Bowls or free agency and kind of project this stuff that's really out there in the moment right now it's the here and now what he's doing with a tag of offensive talent to me is as an evaluator is very impressive and that's why i'm saying i thought he played better than matt stafford i think matt stafford has a lot more talent and didn't have a running game but the bears played right into the detroit lions hands and decided to alleviate their strength in their run game and use Matt Barkley. And I thought Matt Barkley succeeded despite the plan by the coaching staff. I mean, it's part of the reason why I want this coaching staff to be gone is because they can't properly come up with a game plan and understand their own strengths. But to not deviate from that, I just think that Matt Barkley has blown away all the critics All the people that have watched the tape on this kid, mind you, he was the number one high school player coming out of college. He was a highly thought of prospect at USC. If he came out his junior year, he would have been in the top five pick that year. He decided to go back and do what most say is the right thing. I say go always for the money because you're never going to have that opportunity. And and it, it, it kind of put him in the position to go in the fourth round. In the Chip Kelly office, he doesn't fit very well. Here, I believe he's showcasing that not only is he a fit, but I think he's a better than average starting quarterback. And to find that guy, to me, is a testament to Ryan Pace that's getting overlooked. And really, ultimately, he should be 3-0, and if not 2-1 and today.
2: Those Do you drops. mind if I ask one more question? Yeah, go for it. Oh, absolutely. Um, so then, you guys, there's a game coming up against the Packers, and that's a bad secondary. Um, you guys saw a few weeks back, you know, Kirk Cousins put on a show against them. Uh, before that, you know, they're, they're not playing well. He's going to have Alshon Jeffrey back. How important is his performance in that game towards evaluating his future? I mean, do you expect him to come out and really light it up, or do you expect him to put out a good performance,
3: sort of like? I mean, you, you have to think he'll he'll follow this one up. I mean, against, you know, with Alshon Jeffrey back, I'm I'm curious to see – how on the same page they are, especially since Alshon's been gone for a while, and they they haven't really spent a lot of time even on the roster at the same time, let alone you know actually practicing together or anything like that. But I think certainly any time you get Alshon back, that means there's fewer snaps for the likes of Josh Bellamy and Deontay Thompson, which is only a good thing. And then, <laughs> like you said, the the Packers secondary isn't great, and I think the the the, the, the Seattle Seahawks today are going to put a lot of tape out there for exactly how to decimate the Green Bay Packers, although I think there's already plenty of tape out there already, so I mean, there's definitely, I'm expecting a similar sort of game as we saw today, where you know, the Bears are in it, and if they don't shoot themselves in the foot, in the feet, with penalties over and over again, and drop balls, and putting Josh Bellamy out there, and not using Jordan Howard, then it's absolutely a a very winnable game against the Green Bay Packers, and I think it's a a game that could put Matt Barkley in in a very great position to be successful, I mean, it's hard to say for sure, I mean, Weird things happen when the Bears play the Packers in both directions. I mean, randomly, Julius Peppers will have had three bad games in a row and then he'll come out and have three sacks, and Clay Matthews will will somehow jump out of nowhere and pick off a pass and run it back for six. I mean, a lot of crazy things happen in in a game as emotional and as historic as Bears-Packers matchups, but at the same time, Matt Barkley is going to have some big opportunities, and I think this is his time to shine and step up and deliver. Phil, what do you think about that?
1: I honestly think... Matt Barkley was considered a nobody, an afterthought, a late pickup. I think John Fox showed his hand. He was basically, prior to the Titans game, taking a shot at Ryan Pace. When asked what he liked about Matt Barkley, he said, well, they liked him upstairs, and I'm paraphrasing. But that was the tone and the straight answer from your head coach. Then the guy goes out and balls out, gives you an opportunity to win. Then he comes back against San Francisco, balls out again. I'm talking dying balls in the NFL, no matter what anyone's going to tell you, putting it and what a dime ball is, Aaron, is putting it in the absolute prime position to allow your intended target to make a play that will continue through the first down or a touchdown. It's un, inarguable that anybody out there can argue what a great pass is, anticipating the open man and getting it there you saw it again today the Cameron Meredith finally getting the right personnel putting Meredith outside these are all coaching things things that I believe other more competent head coach or offensive coordinators would put the right personnel out there to say you believe in John Fox and his personnel decision making then I I think I question your football acumen not you Aaron obviously but people out there saying well you know they see them all the time and maybe no one's better than Bellamy I tend to argue that I feel as though coaches sometimes feel comfortable they're arrogant as we've seen John Fox and they continue to do stupid things like not give Jordan Howard the football in a three-point game that ended up getting a pick six now you're up and you have to win it with Matt Barkley and I think The matchup with the Green Bay Packers for the Bears is a good one. And I think, Matt Barkley, you are assessed again. In prime time, the meatball fans are going to be out there because it becomes no bigger than the Packer game. And the pressure is going to be high. At home, I think Matt Barkley continues to push away the the, uh, narrative of him And and today you saw him delivering strikes and doing the things that even I did not think he could do. I said this against the Titans. I didn't think this football player was going to be ready like he was. And he really has continued to build on that. I don't think that could be overlooked. Is he a perfect prospect? Well, give me the perfect prospect after three starts in NFL history. There is none, Aaron. Aaron. So to see this guy continue to put a team that's lacking offensive firepower and talent and a plan and put you in positions not only to win, but to beat playoff contending football teams, I think I'm very, very happy if I'm Ryan Pace that I found this quarterback right now that can give you a whirlwind of opportunities come this offseason. And I think... Against Green Bay, I think Matt. I, I feel confident that Matt Barkley is going to continue to build on what he's been doing.
3: Uh, Aaron, you asked us how, how do you feel about Matt Barkley. What 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 have you liked and what have you not liked from him?
2: Um, I really like what I've seen from him. Um, great great job in the uh, in the pocket delivering passes. Um, I mean, good accuracy. I wouldn't say anything particularly jumps out at me, but the fact that he's able to move. Move this offense down the field, and it's not a, you know, like you guys were saying, it's not a particularly well constructed offense. But he's able to move it. He's able to put them in a position to win at the end of the game. And you're right. I remember uh, I think Lawrence said something earlier about how they should be three and zero with him under center, or two and one with him under center, and that's definitely true. Um, I think a lot of people, especially like more casual fans, will be a little bit concerned that he's, you know, he's not one of those high uh, high draft pick guy, he doesn't have a cannon arm, uh, but he can move the offense, he can operate the offense and concerning that quarterback is, I think right now, probably one of the, you know, it's not a very high concern for the Bears at the moment, they got three guys that could potentially play uh, you know, I think that he could definitely operate the offense heading into the future
3: It's going to be interesting to see how he handles the Green Bay game I think you know the, the Lions game was the first test, but I think the Green Bay Packers game is the real. Like he passed the Lions test, but now, you know, he he got through the Lions den, but now he's got to go to Green Bay. It, it, that's in it's in Green Bay next week, isn't that right? So it'll be it'll be in the cold. It'll be, you know, at Lambeau Field it, in those conditions, and I think that'll be the first real like big boy. I mean, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to feel. I mean, even though Green Bay is only six and six, there's just something about those games, and especially. When they when excuse me it's it, it is at home what am I saying so it'll be it'll be in Chicago that'll certainly help Matt a little bit but these rivalry games against Green Bay are just a step more intense a step more emotional and things always like I said earlier things always go a little bit awry against Green Bay Packers even when the Bears are you know three and nine or three and ten now and the Packers are probably going to be six and seven at the time but we are starting to get a little low on our time in the show here Aaron so I will I'll let you go but thanks a ton for calling in and asking some great questions.
2: Thank you for taking the time to uh,
3: field those questions. Good luck, guys. All right,
2: Aaron. Thanks for calling
1: in. Lauren, you look at this team. You look at some of the pieces out there. You know, I want to get your take on it. You got a Ryan Pace. You got rumors flying. Napoleon. Um, John Fox on the hot seat. Is he not? Is he coming back? John Fox tends to be loyal. You got the Vic Fangio rumors. You know, you look at this game and you see how it played itself out. You know, as you said, you can make all the excuses in the world up for injuries and what have you, but these are professional athletes. You work all week. This is a known division rival. You know what you you got in them. I thought Vic Fangio played did an excellent job today, attacking Matt Barkley. You know, and doing the things he needed to do to disrupt them. Clearly, it worked. You were in a position to win the football game. And ultimately, you look at this team with Ryan Pace's guys out there Whitehair, Howard, Matt Barkley, he picked up, um, Adrian Amos, um,
3: Cravon
1: LeBlanc, LeBlanc that he picked up off the scrap heap. Bring DeMontre Hurst back in. We've talked about that. You know, he continues to feel that, you know, Daniel Braverman gets in the game, makes a huge catch in the game, negated by a a holding penalty. You know, there's no hold there, which there wasn't a hold there. Put it up on my timeline, anybody, any Lion fan, any Bear fan, and, and look at that play and tell me that given the opportunity You know, big-time players make big-time plays in critical situations. There was none more critical in the game than that. So to think that I'm just tooting this guy's horn because I love the kid is ridiculous. I love him because of what I see on the tape matches up to why he was drafted by this administration. And white players that are small and quick tend to fall in the draft and get overlooked a lot but history tells us a different story, Lauren. Let's just be honest about that. (laughs) That's how I am, just keeping it real. The kid could be a matchup nightmare in the slot. Me and Dos Pesos Ponch Cotto were talking about it all week, that that would be a way to roll. Finally, they do. As you said, what did he get, 10 opportunities? 10 snaps, 7 routes run. 7 routes run. He gets the most critical ball thrown and makes a play. I just think that's coaching guys. That's coach Johnson, not knowing his personnel. That's the offensive coordinator, not knowing a matchup and how to take advantage of it. You're in a big time game, make that play, move the chains, you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda on the holding. The reality is the play took place. It speaks for itself. No holding there's drops. You can't live with drops as a wide receiver. I'm sorry. If I was coached, if it touches your hands, you got to catch it. And that's how you play the football game. And we can't make excuses for continuous drops. We just can't. You you just go backwards. You don't go forwards. And I think that's the telling sign of this coach. And I, I think Ryan Pace and, coach fox are, are are extremely at a disconnect when it comes to the talent and who to play ryan pace might be allowed to draft the players but clearly john fox is ruling the day of who's going to be allowed to play him and and if coach johnson is a part of that crap then we're just in another world
3: here <laughs> yeah you know with bellamy it's not if it touches your hand it's if it touches your body because he's not a uh he's not a go up and snatch it catcher, he's a wait for it to come in my arms and instead land out of bounds so it's an incomplete pass, instead of a nice first down from Matt Barkley. But that's gonna that's gonna have to be the tone that, that wraps up our show here as we're we're getting down on the clock. Uh we're we're no we're no longer gonna be doing the the Thursday preview shows 'cause there's there's not a lot to preview every week with the Chicago Bears team at this point. It's kind of uh, young players, you want them to play well, and and this week we did. I mean, we saw rookies really step up across the board. You know, Cody Whitehair, Jordan Howard, obviously Nick Wood. Leonard Harkamon, Floyd, Monk, Leonard Floyd. I would have liked to see a little more from Jonathan Bullard and uh, a couple of the mm-hmm. other younger guys, but uh, even Deion Bush too. But you know, certainly, certainly, plenty to be encouraged about. Plenty to be encouraged about with Ryan Pace's choices in particular. And uh, we will be back next Sunday, 30 minutes after the Bears-Packers game, to break it all down, win or loss. I'm sure we'll be talking about Matt Barkley because I think he's either going to have a great game and we're going to be talking about, okay, is this your starting quarterback in 2017? Or maybe, you know, you never know, maybe he gets, he gets sacked a few times and starts to get a little rattled and he steps back and you're, okay, okay, maybe this guy's going to be more of a backup. I mean, we'll really, we'll really have to kind of see how he does. And I'm, I'm looking forward to going through the Detroit Lions tape Uh, the All-22, and seeing exactly some of the placement on some of his throws. I know you'll have some analysis up at uh, Bears Barroom. I'll have some stuff up at bearswire.usatoday.com. Definitely uh, check out both of our sites for some great additional analysis of this Bears-Lions game all week, and certainly we'll have preview content for the Packers game next week. But uh, for Phil I am Lauren Cox, and this has been another edition of Bears Hour Live.